All right. All right. So December the 4th already. And we are Jude lesson number 8. And if you have a handout there, go ahead and turn to the book of Jude. And we're going to read 1 through 13 today. And I'm actually going to get through two whole ver- verses. And actually not through. Maybe not that. Not, and probably not even that. You're probably right. And so, uh, but let's go through. I mean, there's a ton of information in this little book. And so Jude, starting off in verse 1, says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So what does the word contend mean? Remember I made made a reference to that several times. Fight. Fight. You know, two boxers contending for the title. So we are to earnestly fight why this is such a picture of people's prophetically in in the tribulation, they really will have to fight to survive and to to do what God wants them to do. So uh, he says, to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord, Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you into remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And then last week we were talking about Korah. And what happened to Korah? He went up against Moses. The, the earth opened up and took him and, and his family and the people around him and then fire came out from the Lord and destroyed the 250 princes. So, and what was their main thing? Why? Because they rebelled against basically not just Moses, it was against the Lord and who had put him in charge and not just who he had put in charge, but the way of worshiping him, basically everything through the tabernacle and the Levitical priesthood and all that. They rebelled against that. And so, you know, we have to get this in our mind. Not all the people that came out of Egypt with Moses was obeying God when that happened. A lot of them came out of Moses just to, or came out of Egypt just get out of Egypt. They're like, hey, there's a group getting out of Egypt. They're getting out of slavery. Let's jump on the bandwagon. And then even God's people, a lot of them, the same thing they do today in Israel. They're God's people, the Jewish people, and they do not believe His Word. They didn't believe His Word then. They went through all the miracles, which blows my mind, and got to the promised land and all along the way complained and murmured. And when they got there, they disobeyed God and said, no, we're not going to go in the land because there's giants in the land. Okay. So, and they were destroyed, which we saw core, but he fits right in with this group. They were destroyed because they believed not. 
And that was the bottom line. They did not believe God's word when it came down to it, and they were destroyed. Verse 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath left reserved in everlasting chains under darkness into judgment of the great day. And he goes, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So we just saw three groups here and each one of them are destroyed okay and then he says verse 8 likewise also these ungodly men is that what it says in your bible what's it say filthy dreamers dreamers. but again he's speaking of the ungodly men but now he calls them filthy dreamers likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh they despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Oh, oh my. That, that was Korah, wasn't it? That, in fact, that was Korah, Balaam, and, and, uh, uh, what was the first guy we were looking at? Uh, Cain. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a pretty close fit when you put him in with Judas. Okay. Uh, yet Michael, the archangel, and I was just reading this last night, and I'm thinking, you know, I didn't really spend a lot of time on this. So, you know, that, that could be a good homework assignment for all of you. Go home and study Michael, the archangel, disputing over the body of Moses. And why did God just throw that in here? Uh, yet Michael, the archangel, with when contending with the devil... Which kind of relates back to the Christians he's writing to. He says, contend for the faith against who? The ungodly men. And it's kind of likening uh, uh, Michael contending with the devil. So kind of get the connection here about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Verse 10. But these... What's the these there in that verse? It's the... Ungodly men, it's the filthy dreamers. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beast. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and they perished in the gainsaying of court. Now, did I go through that verse already before in the next few weeks? I hope you say yes, because, yeah, I camped out on it. Okay, so we've looked at all those. You're probably leaving the Sunday school class and, I'm sorry, the adult Bible hour class, and you're probably going, man, I, I knew, I know way more information about these guys than I wanted to know. Okay. Verse 12. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water. Carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So you keep seeing a a repeating theme, a rebellious nature that ends in destruction all through the book of uh, Jude. So on our handout we have here, number one says, certain men and Jude are defined as, verse one, I put creeps. Now remember a few weeks back I started and I said, now that's my definition. I call them creeps because in verse four it says, for there are certain men crept in unawares. Okay? So they're creeps. 
You, you know, you don't hear that a whole lot anymore. I guess I'm I'm kind of like Brian. I'm showing my age, you know. When I was young, that was kind of, we just used that. You're a creep, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that guy's creepy. We kind of still use that, but, we, you know, we don't call people. Maybe I don't know any creeps. Maybe that's what it is. So, you know, but, you know, but these guys are called, I call them creeps. Number two, God calls them, and I think you have a blank there. Do you have two blanks yep. on number two? And verse four, it says, Further are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. So ungodly men goes in that blank. Okay? Now, ungodly men, what, what does ungodly men, I think we use ungodly as, as, okay, so they're, they're, they just don't know God. Right? When we would, I, I think we're too nice. Right. We use the term, well, that person's ungodly. What we really need to say and get this in our mind is this person's ungodly, this person's antichrist, this person is, let me tell you, evil, this person is wicked. Yep. Now in the movie The Maze Runner, is it The Maze Runner? Yeah, I think it is. Anybody in here sci-fi people? Okay, anybody seen the movie The Maze Runner? That's kind of a cool movie. You need to kind of watch that if you don't, if you kind of like that stuff. So, well anyway, this guy's run, um, the main guy starting to figure things out and there's this organization that comes in and it's going to help this individual. What's the main guy in the movie? Um, the kid. Um, oh, what's his name? I can't remember now. Okay. So anyway, the main character, he's trying to figure out this group that comes in. It's going to save him from this and they're going to help him out. And the name of this group is called Wicked. W. It, it, and that stands for something, right? It's 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 what W I K D or so. It's but anyway, you're looking at it and it's like wicked. I wonder if this is going to be a good group. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. And they are evil, but they come across that they're really going to help. Thomas is the guy's name. They're going to really help Thomas out. And he's trying to figure out, are these really guys trying to help me out? And I'm like, look at their name, dude. Come on, read the signs. These ungodly men are wicked. In fact, you go to uh, study ungodly, it means you'll find when you look it up in the concordance, you will see wicked and you will see the word behind it, worthless. So you pull Strong's concordance out. And you look at the name ungodly, and it will say wicked and worthless. Okay, So hold your finger in the book of Jude, and I want you to go back to Psalms. So again, the Bible is just a cool book because when, when I'm in the Bible, whatever book I'm in, and I'm reading other books also in my daily Bible reading time, I just see things popping out in that book that relate to the other book. I, I, I don't think it makes any difference uh, which book you're reading. God's going to show you things. But in Psalms chapter 1, and I've read this before, but let me read it again. It said, Blessed is the man. Now this is David. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree. Ooh. 
planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. No, no, no. Okay? Kind of reminds me when we went to Mexico, Kerry. You know, we're, we're going through customs and, and the lady in front of us was a lady in our church and they found something and they found a hair pick. And, and I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. The, the customs person is a lady and I don't know if she speaks English or not. If she did, maybe it was broken, but she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and the, and the lady's like, I didn't realize there was a hair pick. It's like when it pulled apart, there's like this prong sticking out of it. And she didn't realize it was in there. She just, it didn't dawn on her. And she's like, and the lady's like, no, no, no. I'll never forget that. And anyway, okay, so back. Okay, the ungodly are not so. No, no, no. But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment again. What we're seeing in the book of Jude. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I see that I'm reading through this and I'm like, wait a minute. Man, ungodly men are popping up all over in my personal Bible reading. Now go over to Psalms 10. Okay. Psalms 10 is just going to give you a little more clarification on these ungodly men. It says... uh, Psalms 10. Again, a psalm of David. It says, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? Have you guys ever felt like that? You feel like you're between a rock and a hard spot, and it's like, okay, God, number one, why am I, why am I in this spot? And number two, where are you? You know? What's it? What was that? There was a saying or something about somebody, where are you? Okay. Oh, well, I'm done. And then verse 2 says, the wicked... Now, wait a minute. He just went from ungodly. Now he's using wicked in its place. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. And immediately when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. I know a, a wicked person in the Bible that was caught up by his own imaginations and the things that he had built. And I'm, I'm thinking the book of Esther... Haman. Haman has gallows built for Mordecai and yet he ends up getting killed on those same gallows that he had built. And here this verse says, let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Boy, that fits him. For the, again, for the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blessed the, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. And so I'm going to stop right there, but I'm thinking in, in chapter 1 it keeps saying ungodly, but in, in chapter 10 of Psalms he, he, he doesn't use ungodly once. He just starts going wicked. The wicked, the wicked, the wicked. So back in the book of Jude, when we see ungodly, we've got to get it in our head. Wicked. You know, and that's what he's trying to get across to these people. Uh, these, these guys are ungodly, but really they're apostates. They're wicked. 
they're worthless. Okay, so that was verse 4. But in verse 8, I think number 3, you also have another two blanks. So let's read verse 8. And we can see that certain men in Judah are defined as creeps. They're, they're called ungodly men. And in verse 8, there's one more word that the Bible uses. It says, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. So the Bible calls these men filthy dreamers. So when you look that word up, filthy, I got two words in the concordance that I didn't think I'd get. One is rebellious. I wouldn't think rebellious would be filthy, but it says rebellious, kind of with a twist, rebellious, shameful, full of lasciviousness. We saw that so far. So it calls them, they're, they're rebellious dreamers. They're, they're shameful dreamers. They're, they're dream, they're, they're, uh, dreamers of lasciviousness. And when I looked up the word dreamers, it's an excessive desire. So they're thinking about this constantly in their mind. There's somebody that's addicted to something. These filthy dreamers are addicted to being wicked. Excessive desires. Excessive desires. They're dreaming. They're, they're filthy dreamers. They, not only are they involved in rebellious lasciviousness, but they're thinking about it constantly. Okay. And then, uh, number four, you have a bl- two blanks. So let's go down to number ten. Verse 10, and we'll see if we can find these. It says, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. So the Bible calls these ungodly wicked men brute beasts. Now, a brute beast, if you run the words through the Bible with the way it's translated in other locations, you'll find that that the word brute is used in other places in the Bible as... Let me see if I can read my own... Unreasonable. I couldn't read my own writing. So a brute beast is a unreasonable and the beast is creature. A living creature. It, it doesn't, the Bible didn't even define them as people. It's defining them as a creature, a beast. And you, you've heard, uh, uh, um, and again, I, I think all I do is watch movies because I, I try to pull things out to make them relate to us. And you know, in, the, in the movie, you guys have probably never seen this, um, Christmas Vacation. This just popped into my mind. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Okay, and, and Christmas Vacation, the, uh, um, Chevy Chase's boss is kidnapped by the by the cousin Eddie, right? And the lady is defining him to the cops as this man came into our house. He was a he was a brutal beast, <laughs> and I believe in a in a in a motorhome with tags tags 
that said Kansas. And I'm like, oh, brother. I mean, <laughs> that's just how it is. It's kind of like when somebody describes, when, when Channel 5 or whatever news is doing a story on, let's say, Harrisonville or any place, they come to Harrisonville and they do a story about something, but they don't find usually, you know, the upstanding citizen of Harrisonville. They find some bum, you know, they picked up from the street. So when they put him on TV... Everybody gets the idea of, well, these guys in Harrisonville are are kind of like Neanderthals, you know. I, I remember once they were having a flood in, in St. Louis, and so they interview a man that his house flooded, and this guy's sitting there with a hat on that says, who, who farted, basically. <laughs> and he's sitting there, and he's sitting, and they're going, well, sir, how did you know it was time to leave your house because of the flooding? He goes... When I saw the water level rise up into the first floor about four foot deep and catfish were swimming through, I decided it was time to leave. And you're sitting there thinking, really? Are you guys in St. Louis that dumb? I mean, is that, is that what everybody in St. Louis is like? And so I'm just thinking here, brute beast. Brute beast. Unreasonable creatures is what it's talking about. And then number five, yes. Just going to say, remember that we're sheep are referred. I mean, they are brute beasts. They're, they don't have any reasoning. They don't know what to do. So yeah, that could, be. that could fit in. Okay, number five is where I want to spend time at, and I don't have a ton of time, so I need to keep rolling. Uh, number five. Let's look at verse twelve and thirteen. It says twelve. It says these are spots in your feast of charity. So now it's calling these ungodly men spots. Spots. And if you want to do a good Bible study, study spots in the Bible. It'll blow your mind. Okay? Um, In fact... In in Bible or general, just do a just do a a study on spots in 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 the physical world here, not not in the Bible, but just in life in general, and you'll 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 learn some interesting things. Uh, spots are defined as markings or a mark. Okay, so turn over to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus. I gotta go through this little song in my head to get to the right book. I learned that the Old Testament books by going through a song when I was a kid. And so every time I look at, you know, go to a book, it's like, I gotta run the song past my mind. So I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Markings. Um, markings. Let me see, what did I say? Spots. Uh, spots. Spots are Defined as a marking or a mark. Or a mark. That's interesting. So, no offense, Mark. Okay. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of <laughs> Okay. Uh, I would not do that because you might get a spot if you do that. Uh, okay. Deuteronomy, let me see where I'm going here. I'm getting way off track. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And let's look at 1 through 5. Okay? Um, 
uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, 1 through 5 says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And this is a song of Moses, okay? So it, verse 2 says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. So God is speaking. He's, he's singing a song, and, he, and he's, he's really speaking for God here. He goes, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew of the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. He's a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their, what's it say? Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. So, a spot is connected with a perverse generation. So, a spot is a blemish. It's a, it's a, it's a mark on you, right? And so, um, spots are never good. You know, they are never good. When you go to the doctor and he says, you know what, we ran the test. And I talked to Rex. I did talk to Rex today. I asked him about, uh, the, on his liver, right? And see, so when the doctor goes, well, I'm concerned because your test shows there is a spot, it's never good. Okay? Uh, Mark, when when you see spots or anybody starts seeing spots and you tell your eye doctor that, it is not good, right? No, it's not. Dan, did you have something? Is there a blank somewhere? Five. Number five, spots. Spots. Okay. So spots are not good. They're never good. They're not good in a physical sense. They're not good in spiritual sense. They're not good in the Bible. Okay. Um you know, when somebody says, you know, you got a spot on your hair or, or you know, or they tell me that, you know, your hair looks good. You went to the, to the, barber. to the barber and they go, you know, it looks good in spots. <laughs> That's not good. Okay. All right. So spots are never good. So the next line down, they indicate, and there's a blank in your, in your handout, right? They indicate leprosy goes in that blank in the Bible. So you're already in the Old Testament. Now let's go back to Leviticus. And I know you guys are from Missouri, so I'm going to have to show you this. Leviticus chapter 13. Oh, wow. 13. Numbers make a different a number of rebellion in the Bible, which is kind of interesting. The, the more you see some of the connections in the Bible, and then they just start popping out, like I said, all over. So let's look at, they indicate spots, indicate leprosy in the Bible. Leviticus 13.2, verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright, what? Spot. And it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought into Aaron, the priest, and unto one of his, or unto one of his sons, uh, the priest. So skip down to verse 24 and 25. 24 says, Or if there be any flesh in the skin whereof there is a hot burning, and the quick flesh that burned hath somewhat a white, bright spot, somewhat reddish or white, then the priest shall look upon it. Behold, if the hair in the bright 
spot be turned white and it be in the sight deeper than the skin is a leprosy broken out of the burning. Wherefore the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the plague of leprosy. So in the Bible, spots are an indication of having leprosy. And leprosy is a picture of, I, I don't think I put a blank there for you, I put, it's a, it's a picture of sin in the Bible. Everywhere you go, you see that leprosy is a picture, it's a type, it's, it's a picture pointing to sin. Okay? And so, uh, again, let's keep going down the list. So God never conceals the next line, God never conceals the wicked's parts or spots. Okay? So this is very interesting. So turn over to Job chapter 41. Job 41. Job's another book in the Bible. He's just full of wisdom and he gives a lot of wisdom. In Job 41.12, I have this highlighted in my Bible. Job 41.12 says, I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely position. Who can discover the face of his garments, or who can come to him with a, bri- with a double bridle? And what we're talking about here is, somebody tell me who you, who you think we're talking about. God says he's not going to conceal his parts. They're talking about Satan. His parts... God will not conceal Satan's parts. God will not conceal what Satan is doing to his people. So if you want to find truth, all you have to do is look for it. It's there. And you find truth in God's Word. And God is not going to sugarcoat who Satan is. He's not going to sugarcoat what he's doing. He's not going to conceal it. He's going to let it all hang out. So we, if you study it out, you'll know exactly what Satan is, who he is, what he's been doing, who he is associated with, and the whole gamut. Okay? Because God will not conceal uh, the truth about himself. He will not conceal the truth about Satan. So uh, so we can look at some of this and we can like spots are somewhat connected with Satan also. Because Satan is connected with sin. Okay? And so God will never conceal the wicked's parts or spots. Okay? And then our next line says, all sacrifices are to be without spot. You know, when you had a lamb, that lamb was supposed to be spotless. Okay, and I've got some references there, but I think I'll skip through those for right now. Our next line says, Christ was and is without spot. So turn over to Hebrews 9.14. Again, just to check this out. Uh, Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So all the sacrifices in the Old Testament were supposed to be without blemish, without spot, and Christ Himself was without sin. He was without spot. And so I, I know we all know that. And so uh, the next line says, Spots are defined as ungodly men in Second Peter also, along with Jude chapter 12. 
And so let's keep moving. It says, these spots or ungodly men in Jude. Uh, let's go back to Jude. They do not... And you have a blank there. I think you're about out of blanks. but uh, They do not what? They do not... They do not believe in... Well, yeah, even the demons, even the devils... Even the devils believe in God. Now, now, I'll just throw this out for free. This is not in my notes. In the King James Bible, it says devils. You will not find demon. And I was kind of looking that up. And demon is the Greek form of devil. But in the English, the, tran- the true translation is devil. Okay. So, these spots or ungodly men in Jude and in Second Peter do not... Let's go back to where we're at. Um... Let me see where I'm at. They don't obey God. They don't obey God. Um, okay, verse 12. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. They don't fear God. So your blank is fear God. Okay. <coughs> So let me, I, I skipped over one of my, one of my, uh, notes I was going to give you. Back under point number two where it says spots are defined as markings or a mark. And I gave you Deuteronomy. Uh, I want you to go to, to Revelation 13 because I forgot to give you this and this is somewhat interesting. Revelation 13. Again, so we're talking about the Antichrist here. And I want to start in verse 11. And it says, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So who are we talking about? Okay, we're talking about false prophet, the Antichrist here, context. Verse 12, And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. Okay, so the first beast here is the Antichrist. This particular beast is the false prophet. And verse 13 says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a number in their right hand. Is that what your Bible says? What's it say? A mark. Okay. And what is a spot? It's a mark. Okay. And so, I had to look at this again, even this morning. I'm like, okay. So, uh, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bought, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, so that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, oh my gosh, that that would be a great study. Now try to figure all three of those things out. Okay, so here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Again, we have a beast mentioned here. We have a mark here and we got a number. Now how all that fits together, you go home and you work that out. But I'm like, 
is is it actually going to be a number? It didn't really say that. Because I've been for years thinking, okay, these guys are going to have 666 tattooed on them somehow. It didn't say it's not, but it didn't say it's, it says that you're going to have a mark. Now, is a mark a tattoo? Don't know. You're going to have some kind of a mark. Okay. Maybe it's a Sharpie. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a permanent mark. Okay. Sharpies are good, but they will wear off, right? Or green. Okay. So, uh, spots. The Antichrist is going to be connected with a mark or a spot. Okay. Now it seems to me that our, that our, a guy back in the 40s who had a regime, power and control, that he had a symbol or a mark. Okay. Hitler. Okay. And he had that swastika, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, I remember in school, I did not understand about that. And I remember in school drawing one of those on my hand in, in, in ink. I wasn't a Christian, but I didn't understand what it meant. And I just did it. And then okay. I got into trouble. And, okay. well, you, have you heard the term X marks the spot? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All those things. Hey, you want to search them out? It will blow your mind. Okay, you get tired of watching TV? Get in the book, man. Well, you start looking through this thing. Revelation thirteen two. So we're already in Revelation, right? Let's back up to verse thirteen two, and it says, "And the beast which I saw was likened to a what? Leopard. leopard." Now this is just coincidence. What do leopards have? Spots. Didn't I tell you that this study in a spot in the Bible will just drive you? It, it's 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 wild. Okay, uh, the Bible says I think it's in Jeremiah. It says, "Can the leopard change his spots?" So somehow a something with a leopard is connected to the Antichrist. And what is it? Is it the fact that it has spots? Okay, X marks the spot. Pirates used to. Worry about getting the black spot? I mean, I'm throwing stuff out there. It's kind of crazy, but, you know, things are based off of truth, even though they get kind of whacked, whacked out there, you know, and become, you know, like truth becomes, uh, uh, what's it say? Uh, it becomes a legend and legend becomes a myth and however that works, you know, things kind of go, but they're based off of truth. But again, we're looking at spots in the Bible and we're seeing how they pop out in different areas and all that. So these men are like spots. Having spots are not good, okay? And let's go back to our outline. We'll try to get through this. These spots, they are clouds without rain. Back in the book of Jude, okay? In fact, let's go back and read that. Jude chapter 12. These are spots... In your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water. They can't nourish anything. A cloud without water does not give out any rain, does not give out any nourishment. So these men, these men are like clouds that cannot nourish anything. 
It says they are carried about with the wind. They have an ever-changing doctrine. Okay, uh, James chapter 1. In fact, that's pretty close to where we're at. Let's go back and look at it. James chapter 1, Hebrew James. And let's read uh, 1 through 5. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now that's everything we don't want to know. We don't want to go through trials. But yet when God brings us through trials, He teaches us. Okay, it may, He makes it for our worthwhile. Verse 4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and that breatheth not, and it shall be given him. Okay, all you got to look for, all you got to seek, all you got to study it out, all you got to do is ask. Okay? Verse 6, But let him ask in faith, for nothing, for nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and toss. Oh my, right back to where we're at. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So these, these creeps, these ungodly men, these filthy dreamers, these brute beasts, these spots, are not going to get anything from the Lord, right? They're double-minded. They're unstable in all their ways. And they're like the, the, the waves blowing up, hitting the shore. Um, and it says back in, in Jude that they're like waves carried about by the wind, foaming out their own shame. So they're shameful, okay? And then it says they are trees whose fruit is withered. They produce bad, wicked fruit. Now, I kind of define that. And then you have a blank there. Now, when you have bad fruit in your refrigerator and you pull it out of your crisper and it is totally bad, what do you call it? Rotten. Okay, there, there's a net. That's what goes in your blank. These men produce rotten fruit. Okay? Or they produce no fruit at all. Okay? And then in the book of Jude, and I'm just about done. Hang with me a little bit. I know you guys can't wait to get home and study spots out on your own. Uh, back in Jude, it says uh, they experience. Let's go back and look at that. Um, where are we at? Uh, I'm looking for a specific phrase here. They experience two deaths. Where do I see that on our... 12? Okay. Twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. And I was looking at that. And I'm like, the Bible is very precise. And, you're, and a lot of times we just read through stuff. So what does that mean they're twice dead? Well, turn over into your Bible to Revelations 20.14. Let's see if we can pin something together here. 20.14. I'll try to do it justice here. And basically, this is the great white throne judgment. If we back up to verse 11, I saw a great white throne. 
and him that sat on whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So it talks about the these ungodly men that they experienced two deaths. Well, one is their physical death. The other one is their spiritual death where they stand before God at the judgment and they have not accepted Christ as their Savior and their names are not written in the book of life and they are thrown into the lake of fire which is the second death. So you've heard the statements and let's see if I can get this right. Born twice, you die once. If you're born once, you die twice. Which is a play on words that, you know, a Christian, we must be born again. We must have two births, a physical and a spiritual. And when you do, then you only die a physical death, but you will never die a spiritual death. You will not be at this judgment. And if we, I mean, we, we will be at the white throne judgment, but we won't be being judged because our judgment is already put on Christ and He paid our price. But there will be people there that, that will see death twice. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have this idea, well, you know, God's a good God. And when we get there, He's just going to outweigh my good stuff and my bad stuff. And He's a good, He could never send anybody to hell. That's not what the book says. That is true. God does not send us there. He set, He set the rules. And if you disobey the rules, you pay the judgment or the penalty. And so you are exactly right. Uh, so they experienced, these men, these ungodly men, experienced two deaths. And let me just throw out here the, the number three on your handout. It says the church, Christ's bride, is to have no spot. Okay? So I've got two verses for you there. So let's look at them and then we'll call it a day. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at 27. Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Again, so the godly man will be spotless they will be holy. They will be without blemish. And yet we know the lost person is not so. And the last verse is 1 Timothy 6.14. 1 Timothy 6.14 says... Let's, let's back it up to verse 12. Let's back it up to 11. I'm, and I'll stop right there, okay? Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, But thou, O man of God, 
flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight. Okay? Of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereof thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, So even now, the church, now, you and I, are supposed to be without blemish, without spot. But we find out that these these uh, ungodly men, these wicked men, are spotty. And everything in the Bible will point to Anything with a spot as being wicked and connected with Satan and against God. And these men are lining up with every little detail, even down to the little spot. Okay, So let's pray and we'll move on. Father in heaven, we we thank you for your Bible. We thank you that it just shows us the truths uh, uh, all through it, Lord. And Lord, when we look out and we study just even, even words like spot, Lord, that you can show us so much truth. Uh, of, uh, of, uh, number one, who you are or who the ungodly are. And Lord, I just pray that we would watch out for ungodly men and people in our life, that we would not let them have influence over us. And Lord, help us to be, to be godly. Help us to live out the, the walk that you've given us. Help us to live out the life that you have given us now, Lord, that we would be, uh, uh, sinless, that we would be spotless and that we would live our life for you. So I pray for that for everyone that's in here. I pray that that we would just be a witness for you uh, getting the gospel out. So we ask all this today in Christ's name. Amen.